What up, bros? What up, bro? Chicka, 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 bros. <laughs> and welcome to Brown Meets World. Well, that's Brown Meets World. Your boy meets world fan. Your boy meets world fan. Your. <laughs> no one else's. It's yours. We're here for you. I'm Siege. And I am Tony Curtis. How are you, sir? I'm always excited to see. I'm like, who are we getting? Is it Tony? Is it T? Where are we at? <laughs> you know what? I, I, I like to play it by ear. Guys, when I come on to this podcast, <laughs> when I talk to Siege, there's an energy. And we're always like feeling each other's energies yeah, out. Yeah, right absolutely. now, I feel like we're like in it. Like there's a lot of yeah. excitement that we have right now for this podcast. I'm excited to talk to you about this episode. There's just a ton of excitement I have. So Tony Curtis, I am for today. Does Does my cow onesie not read? in it to win no, it <laughs> like down for the phone <laughs> for those who are listening to this podcast um siege is wearing a cow onesie and it does have an udder at the belly it does um, <laughs> as soon as i saw it i called him an other brother um it looks great it looks great uh here if i'm being honest it was just cold in my house and i was like i could put on a sweater or i can make this funky so. Yo, what the hell's been going on in LA? It's been freezing. It's raining it all day. I'm done with so it. So cold and it's raining constantly. I here's the thing. I'm one of those people who looks on the bright side of things. I'm like, LA needs the rain. Sure. So <laughs> as inconvenient as it is, keep it coming. But I also don't like driving in the rain. Don't like going anywhere. The rain. Nope. My don't dog like walking my dog. Yes. That, the, Logan, my dog, hates going outside in the rain. Like, we'll be like, Go bees and poops, and he's like, "No, I'm good. I'll hold it." <laughs> I don't know if you ever seen a golden retriever pooping in the pouring rain. It's the saddest thing you'll ever see. It looks like Sean. It looks like Sean at the end of this episode. Like he just. Oh, <laughs> that's that's hilarious. Let's just talk about this episode because this episode, it's. I will say this: watching this episode, I was like, it has its peaks, it has its valleys. It's another one of those episodes where I was like, walking away. There's so much meat on the bone that I don't really feel like we get it into. Yeah. But there's a lot to say. So that's that's like a little prelude to this episode for me. I don't know if I walked into this just assuming this would be a throwaway episode, but my expectations were so low that when I saw it, I was like, you know what? It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So I'm just saying, there's there's some meat on this bone. I'm really yeah, for sure. interested to talk to you about this episode. Okay, so I guess the only thing to do is to get into the tell me about it. <laughs> tell us about it. Sean and Angela try to move on. But when she sings a song with another, Sean is left out, replaced by a new lover. Ooh, good. Good for you. Mm-hmm. And new new lover. I, I want to talk about the lover. Okay, but this hey. is season six, episode 12, Cutting the Cord. Sean and Angela draw up a restraining order that forbids Corey and Topanga <laughs> from any further interference in their romantic lives. Here's the thing. I'm not going to lie. I laughed because I was like... Amazing. I can't wait. I get it. Okay. Anyway, But Sean still has a difficult time seeing Angela date someone else, especially when they all end up at the same restaurant together. While there, the couples enter a karaoke contest. and a B storyline, Alan has a midlife crisis and tries to solve his problems by shopping for a motorcycle. I have things to say, but I will let you go and tell me 
your things. Well, I, let me just say this right off the bat. I love that we get an episode that reminds us that Amy is pregnant. Because if yes. you're watching this season, that might be something <laughs> you're just finding out. They don't really make it very clear. No. Um, I love that we're seeing... Uh, the only thing about the pregnancy thing, which we're going to get into, is that this is, you know... Alan and Amy, they're in their 40s, they're having a baby, and we're checking to see how Alan is dealing with it. Maybe that, check to see how you know Amy's what? I, I, feeling about did this. You not, I didn't think of that, but that's such a good... I was just happy to see Amy again, Sure, if I'm being honest. I You'll was take just it really happy. Get. I was like, oh, we're acknowledging that she's pregnant. Um, but the opening line is like, God, these women are fat. And That's it's the like, first okay. line of the episode. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we're dealing with 90s jokes right now where pregnant women being fat is the joke. And the worst thing that a woman could be is fat. And it's also very interesting considering that we know that a lot of the actors have body image issues. Why would you put this in there? What is funny about a pregnant woman, someone carrying life, being bigger than she usually would be? I like, have to what's say, funny about that? the reason I kind of laughed when I heard that joke had nothing to do with the joke itself, but just this idea that, um, you know, for a long period of time, we actually thought it was funny to call pregnant women fat or to make fat jokes about pregnant women. I'm like, how we all got here the same way, right? Like, yes, like, exactly. You know I mean? Like, this is what life is like. I don't understand the joke of it, but, you know, it's just it's just kind of funny that that even is a thing at all. And of course, like part of this scene is like the joke is that men don't take women being pregnant seriously or birthing class seriously. And I don't know, I found the whole situation very weird. That does bring me to the first person on our roll call, which is Kirsten Nel uh Kirsten Nelson, uh who I know mostly as the police chief on Psych yes uh, thank you oh my gosh i was like where do i recognize her from and she's okay. on psych but guess what in the first season of psych she's pregnant, she's pregnant. and i was she's like pregnant. what are you just like a pregnant character actor are you always <laughs> pregnant like what are we doing like she's I was... the ali wong of the 90s she's just always <laughs> pregnant <laughs> i was very interested as to like did she use this clip to show that she could be pregnant and still act i have no idea it's on her reel she has a separate pregnancy reel <laughs> i just thought that was very funny because i was like oh i've only seen her as like pregnant woman still going about her life which you know i guess that's a, a genre um but you know she's been in a bunch of things and also she plays jessica in this episode who is the woman next to Amy in birthing class. And I found this weird because it felt like such a shoehorned character to have the woman without her husband who's still married. Like, it's not like there's no dad. He's just, you know, off in the military. And Eric suddenly is without a partner. It was like, so why did we, like, this was all set up to just have Eric also be in the birthing class. Yeah, I thought that they just, the only reason Jessica's there is to shoehorn Eric into the storyline that has no reason to have Eric in it. Um, even though, like, we do kind of get this uh, really emotional sentiment between Eric and Alan at the end of the episode, there's really no reason for Eric to be there at all. Um, you know, I... <laughs> Does Amy not have any other friends? 
Like, <laughs> does Alan not have friends that he can talk to besides going to Eric? Like, we haven't developed these characters, so we have to lean on our established characters to kind of fill in the places where they wouldn't naturally go. Um, you know, I couldn't help but think about the, I, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air episode where he gives birth to Vanessa Williams in the yeah, parking lot yeah, of the uh, yeah. Sable Center. That is such a more organic, like, hey, I'm randomly with this pregnant woman and I, being a non-married, non-father, have to figure out what to do here. Absolutely. I love that they do that storyline really well. In terms of having Eric participate in this, there's no reason because this is really Alan's arc. As much as I feel like it should, we should be looking at Amy, if we're just going to look at what Alan's arc is, um, this is really about him being afraid of becoming a father again at this stage of his life. So him just coming to the mosque cast late saying, hey, sorry, I'm late. I was looking at motorcycles. Could have accomplished everything the story wanted without Eric even being there. That was my whole thing. It was like, we don't need Eric. And we don't, honestly, we don't need Jessica. Like, we don't need any of that for this episode to still work. For Alan to show up late, Amy be like, you left me here alone. For him to be like, oh, I was looking at motorcycle. Give Amy more work to do. Give Amy more lines. And they can have like a back and forth. Then, guess what? Alan can still go to Eric and tell him Definitely. his plans and concerns, and we can still get everything that we do with Jack and Rachel. But, like, why not let birthing class be just Alan and Amy and give them the weight of the... A, it would give Amy a lot more screen time and a lot more to do other than be a weeble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then, also, it's, it's a situation that when I was watching it, I was really upset by even the idea of Alan getting a motorcycle. I was like, this is beyond, like you were late to birthing class to your 40 year old pregnant wife because you were trying to get a motorcycle. This is insanity. Well, to me, I mean, it's insane insanity, but I don't think that's the most unbelievable thing a man has ever done. Oh no, it's Um, not unbelievable, but it's just insanity. And we need to, like I needed Amy to be like, what the fuck? (laughs) yeah totally like i need her to give she has the right to react you know what i mean you know what i audibly reacted to alan saying he was 43 years old i took notes i was like 43 43 (laughs) this is a midlife crisis why am i closer to your age than Corey's age like i cannot Deal well, with these 43-year-olds having a midlife crisis. To me, a midlife crisis is like late 50s, early 60s. And maybe this is just generationally, like modern medicine has allowed for this yeah, in our time. Yeah. But like when he said 43, I was just like, Jesus Christ. And I was also kind of doing the math. I was like, what's Eric, 20 years old? This dude has yes. been a dad yes. since he was 23 years old. Yep. Yep. He, Morgan is in what? Going into high school soon. Like he's thinking, I'm out. I'm finally going to get to do whatever the hell I wanted to do before I became a parent, which I was a child when I did. So like I can understand his whole like, I'm afraid the baby is not going to, I'm not going to be a good enough father for this child because of my old age but to me that has nothing to do with the midlife crisis like the whole motorcycle thing i don't think relates to his fear i think it totally does i think it totally does and i'm gonna push back here because hey i look the storyline itself of alan being like oh i'm not as young as i was when i first had children Mm -hmm. 
And I'm not going to be able to throw, like, I can't be the dad that I want to be to this child. And I think is what he's really saying. Alan is like, I had my kids young. I had them in my 20s or even like Morgan, probably 30. And it was fine because I still had the energy. I still could like do things. But like, I'm in my 40s. My back's starting to hurt. I don't sleep at night all the the time. And I'm going to have like a newborn. And a newborn is a whole different type of stress. Yeah. And I still have three kids, two who are in college, one who is engaged, and another one who is in grade school. This is a lot going on. And I run a business and I have a newborn. That's a lot of stress. So I get I get him like kind of freaking out, but I I just wish we had gotten more of him freaking out and more of either Amy being there for him or Amy being like, you think this is this is yeah. just easy for me? I have yeah. the exact same number of children. <laughs> you know, okay. So the thing I think I'm really struggling with is tying his, like, I'm afraid of being old age with this, you know what? I'm selfishly going to get a motorcycle. Because to me, if his motivation was like, we're having another kid, I'm aging and I'm realizing by the time I'm done with this kid, I'm going to be in my 60s. I'm not going to get a chance to do any of that. Then a motorcycle makes sense to me. Then it's like, I'm going to try to be as youthful as I can in this age I'm in right now. But that's not his motivation. His motivation is like, I want to be really healthy and be a good dad to this kid in my old age, which doesn't communicate motorcycle to me. So I think that to me is just the disconnect. It's just that his motivation doesn't align with his actions. And if he was acting out, there should have been a motivation behind that, that says, this is why he's acting out. But there's a little bit of a, there is a little bit. And I, here's the thing. I agree with you that we don't get the time that we should get with Mm -hmm. this explanation but there is a little bit of him being like, I like I haven't had like when else am I going to do this? Yeah. Like when else am I going to get? I have, like I wanted a motorcycle when I was younger, but I sure. had kids and I couldn't do it then. And then yeah. I'm, there's this new kid coming, and by the time that kid's grown, I'll be in my sixties. So when can I get this motorcycle? Yeah. This is the only time for me to. I have. Like, like him, like, he's probably like, I have three months to get a motorcycle and just be that guy with a motorcycle that I've always wanted to be. But the reality of the situation is you can't be that guy, you know, know, like, like I, I I really, I just want to say, I really wish that this story arc of Alan wasn't confined to one episode. This should have been a season arc that we should have seen him like itching to you know, do these kind of things or, you know, feeling hesitation about becoming a dad again from the season's opening episode. Well, I think that you and I have gotten used to serialized television. Yeah. And this is still sitcom where it's like problem, um, peak solution. You know, it's just like, that's what we're doing. And like, to be fair, like we're experimenting with serialized television because that's what we're doing with the uh, Sean and Angela storyline. Yeah. But I think for them, it's just like it's too much to keep like two storylines continuously going. I'm saying if you're going to do it, if you're going to do season arcs, do season arcs, do them for every character, because not only do I wish we would have seen more of that, I kind of wish this would have been an Alan and Amy bottle episode, which I know would never happen in a sitcom, traditional sitcom world to have an episode just focus on these two characters. But to your point, what's 
Amy's response to what's going on. Alan, you're freaking out. I don't even know if I can deliver this baby in a healthy way, bro. Like, how are you making this about you? Like, there's could have been so much more that they focused on. If they eliminated all of the Eric bullshit and just focused on Amy and Alan, it would have just been a richer episode. Not, I know, a, a family sitcom, but just something more depth. Or hear me out. Have Eric be that kid stuck in the middle. Have mm. Eric be like, he. Eric went to the class. Alan never shows up. Because yeah. he forgot. Because he was too busy, like, looking at motorcycles. So, first scene, Alan is not there. Amy and Eric are in the class. He's making jokes. And Amy's just like, your dad's been acting really weird lately. Mm -hmm. And have uh, Eric be there for his mom. And that way, we, we do have a reason to, like, include this in this kid's show. Because there are moments and times as a child where you are stuck between your parents. Yeah. Because they're not talking and what does that responsibility look sure. like feel like how, like if we're if we're intent on teaching as we do with boy meets world then let this be an example of eric is there for his mom during birthing class and then he goes to home to his apartment and alan just shows up and he was like hey i got a motorcycle and eric's like yo why is this why you weren't at birthing class sure, yeah and then again we still get all of our attention but we just are able to give the parents more to do and it actually makes more sense for eric to be there and it's just kind of like it flows a little better you know what uh that's a great point and the one thing i do want to say that i really like about this storyline is that i love the fact that we are um focusing in on this feeling of you know what's it mean to have an, a new baby when you're an adult and you already have kids and responsibilities like i mean in this case, to your point, two kids in college, one is engaged. This shit's expensive. He's a small business owner. Like, there's so much on this uh, this feeling that, hey, I thought I was almost done, and now I have to start over again. And I feel like this is a highly relatable thing for a lot of families. And I'm really glad they took the time to kind of focus in on what that feels like to go through and what that feels like to be like, oh, shit, like, I have to start over now. I think what's interesting is, like, the same thing happens with Rachel and Jack's dad. They all say, oh, my dad did the exact same thing. Like, yeah. it's not, like, you to your point, it's not just the kid. It's everything. You're sure. just at that age. And just to kind of, like, going back to what you were saying, I remember, I think midlife crises, crises? <laughs> used to be, like, 35. Like, 35. <laughs> like, no, like, think about, like, Think about 90s television and they'd be like, oh, he's going through like a midlife crisis. And the character would only be like in their 30s. And I think that's funny because like I say all this to say one thing that Alan's concerned about is something that you're not really going to be able to overcome because when you're younger, older people are just older people. So yeah. Alan's like, I'm just going to be his old man. And I'm like, yeah, but for a kid, a kid doesn't know that. Yeah. You could be 23 and your baby is just like, this dude's ancient. Why? Yeah. Because a child has no frame of reference and just assumes. I remember being young and thinking my parents were so old, sure. so much older. You know what I mean? Because they were. But then 
I'm older. I'm like way older than my parents were when they had me yeah. and my sister. And I'm like, I I can't do this right now. But did like, you see that? that. Uh, uh, on Rugrats, Stu and Didi are supposed to be like 33 and 32 years old or something exactly. like that. We're older than Stu and Didi. That's crazy. From Rugrats, <laughs> that's insanity. <laughs> but it and is also. Let's go back in this. Alan and Amy are 43 with three kids and one on the way. No, thank you. I applaud everyone out there who's doing this. It's not my journey. That's yeah. <laughs> all I'm saying. <laughs> it's not your journey, but it's also one of those things where the, the pressure that is on these two people to provide for four kids in the 90s is something that is probably so different than it is Plus today. Themselves. Plus themselves. I'm telling you, this is going to be a family of six. And I'm in 2023 being like, yeah, but like milk is like $8 right now. So how? <laughs> like how though? Like this dude is, has others on his stomach trying to milk himself because milk <laughs> is so expensive. <laughs> so it's just like crazy to just think about how normal this it was to have, just have a bunch of kids even going into your 40s and it just being this thing that was just expected um, but one of the things that like i think we have to acknowledge both that this show addresses and um just in general about the 90s it, it did used to be normal to just have a bunch of kids but you weren't being good parents like mm -hmm. even providing didn't mean you were a good parent it just meant that you paid bills being a good parent what a kid wants is for you to be there which is what eric says he was like, I have little league coaches who could teach me how to swing a baseball. But what was important was when I missed, you were there. And that to me is what I what I take away as one of the really key things about being a parent is so many parents are like, I want to give you the world. I want to do. It's like, yeah, but all I want to do is spend time with you. Yeah. Like, uh, that's Eric, all I want. He's <laughs> like, emotional support. Is yeah. really the main thing. You were there for me. You encouraged me. You uplifted me. Like, I just need emotional support. And you know what? You just brought such an interesting idea into my head. And I have, I can't speak on this really because I don't have siblings. We've talked about this. I'm an I only mean... child. You have siblings. And I would be very curious for our listeners because the idea that you just kind of like thrown into my head was this notion that during like, you know, pre-80s when just having six or seven brothers or sisters was normalized you there was also a time period where these parents weren't giving individual attention and emotional support to every child consistently and i wonder how having multiple siblings affects the attention you get from your parents oh i and, can tell you exactly yeah. how it works because i did i like part in college i did my research on like birth order and all this other stuff mm -hmm. and like just after a certain amount of kids, you you can't give them the attention that they need. And so inevitably, like I used to watch the show Eight is Enough. Like you ever mm -hmm. and like even if you watch something like Cheaper by the Dozen, um, the idea is at some point in time, the parents can't always be there. They have to rely on the siblings to like pick up some of the slack, which is why you get sibling relationships and bonds that are like closer than others where it's like the second oldest daughter is really close to like the baby of the family or like the oldest brother and the 
fourth born are like really close. And that's because at a certain point in time, they become surrogate parents. Yeah. As the oldest child, I know that that happened to me as well, where it's like, I didn't need that many kids. My mom worked and she also had two kids as a single mother. She couldn't be there all the time. So a lot of the memories that my sister has is of me doing all of these things. And it's just parents are human and human beings only have a finite amount of attention span sure. and time. And so, yeah, it's going to affect how much time you can spend with your kids, which is why someone like Nick Cannon is like, you could, you could say you're being there for your kids all you want to. You got 12 kids. There is no way for you There's to just no like be there and give them the amount of attention that they need. It's such an interesting point. And if people are listening and if you have um, a lot of siblings or if you have a lot of children and this is like a struggle or something you have personal experience with, please like let us know. Because I'm very curious just to kind of see how, um, you know, the number of, you know, siblings in the family affects the interpersonal relationships between parent and child um, on more specific basis uh, for, you know, people who have that individual experience. So, yeah, definitely Actually, let us know. This, this show alone covers it in B-Team of Life. Remember, yeah, Amy was like, look, we're outnumbered. We don't have to, like one kid was doing something, another kid was doing something, and one got lost in the mix of it all. Morgan, and yeah, <laughs> no, no, well, that's who it is now. At this point in time, Morgan gets nobody's attention. Both literally, boys are in college and they still don't hang out with Morgan, <laughs> but um. And, and also with the new baby coming, yo, Morgan will be lucky if she gets fed. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it reminds me that episode of B Team of yeah. Life. They acknowledge we are two parents with three kids. Yeah. Now we're two parents with four kids. Something's got to give. Luckily enough, two of our kids are out of the house, but you don't stop thinking about your kids. You don't stop worrying about them and making sure that they've, eaten and they're fed and this is college so they don't have money yeah you know all of these things so i i'm saying that alan's dilemma completely makes sense and his freak out makes sense i do feel like this is one that would have benefited from as you said getting amy's perspective having like some kind of response where they come together at the end and they're like oh we can do this it's not just Alan, hey, you know what to do. Amy also knows what to do. This is sure. her fourth child. And she is your partner. And you don't have to do it alone. Yeah. You know, um, I, I have to say that even though I felt like Eric was kind of um, shoehorned into this story, I do love the conversation he has with Alan at the end. A sh re like giving him reassurance. You were a great father. The things that you did weren't because of you running around with us, but because of that emotional support that you were able to give. I thought that was a, a great little um, moment between those two characters. I, and I also just like really, even though again, shoehorned in like Eric's character in this episode, like last time we saw Eric, he was manipulating large groups of orphans. He was, <laughs> he, you know, holding his roommate hostage. Like he was doing some really out there shit. So to see him have a much more grounded storyline and something that's more relatable of him, you know, helping his parents out while they're trying to figure out this newborn situation, like that just seems like a better way to use Eric. So for nothing else, I can give the show credit for that. I'm also not going to lie. I know that they don't like this or they don't like themselves. Eric looks really good in this episode. Oh, hey. Like, the hair is herring. Mm -hmm. The outfit is just right. I'm like, 
Eric is giving. <laughs> okay, so it's so funny that you bring up hair because I actually just saw an uh, an interview with Maitland Ward. She was talking about her experience on Boy Meets World. And she mentioned that not in this episode, but the episode right before this, the Christmas episode, she has very short hair. And it actually was a mistake um, where the hairdresser cut it way too short and she got fired. Um, but they eventually like ended up styling it and liking it because she has this kind of very short, uh, almost like Meg Ryan type of haircut right yeah. now. Um, but it, it, was, it was it was it was a mistake and a person got fired because of it. So I thought that was really interesting. I'll but... say this. We've heard from Pod that the, the hair was of the utmost importance. Mm -hmm on the set here and I, again i'm not going to deny this show has iconic hair yeah. i think of eric's hair like with the bangs but also when he cuts it i remember that look like there yeah. are so many storylines around hair and hair is like a really big thing and uh the a storyline or whatever storyline you would call this um with sean and angela um the girl kelly has like a, I'm like, this is like the Rachel haircut, but yeah. like, I don't know. It's like a, a a very 90s haircut. And I was like, oh, the hair is, again, very important in this show. 100%. Yeah, it's iconic. I just want to say, Wolferdale, in this episode, you fine. So There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to say? Oh, one more note. Mm -hmm. um, back to roll call. Jeannie, I think it's Jeannie Jackson or Jean Jackson plays the instructor. Hated her character, hated like I like it's supposed to be funny and loose and free, but when she says, I don't know, I'm filling in for my sister, I was like, Nope, shut it down. Why, yeah. why, why are we doing this? Why are we like is that even legal? Can you just so Alan can save the day? It has to happen. <laughs> like, there was there's a thousand other sitcom ways yeah. to get rid of an instructor. But to say that she is not certified to teach this course, does this even count? Like, sue. I don't know. <laughs> sue for all they're worth. Exactly. How could you not sue? Everyone in that class gets a mm -hmm. refund. Uh, at the very least. <laughs> what are you going to do? Give you a coupon for the next one? Like Modern day, those Yelp reviews. One star. <laughs> One star. Okay. Uh, any more things for you know? I really don't have anything much uh, for that storyline. It was kind of um, simple. I think again, I, I know we've said it a bunch, but just my main thing was that I really would have liked more Amy in there. But other completely than that, agree. Yeah. Completely agree with you. Okay, now to the the main course. The main course, um, which is Sean and Angela decide that they are going to date other people. And hold on, hold on. Before to, we even wait, get wait, there, wait, wait. I was oh, getting sorry, sorry. there. Okay, I okay, was okay, getting okay. there. If you would give me a second, I'm so excited. To say they start off by saying, "Look, Corey, Topanga, we love you, but we don't trust you. Here's a restraining order <laughs> preventing you from being involved in our lives." And I actually kind of like this a little bit of self awareness where mm -hmm. they were like. We trust you. We don't trust him. <laughs> I I have to say this. This is such kind of an important moment in the history of Sean Hunter. <laughs> Truly, like it's not just the the sign, like this whole episode, but really like what we are seeing is Sean's descent into isolation, which yes. is something that carries on not only through the rest of the show, but even into uh, girl meets world yep. of Sean just disappearing and you know yep. what I have to say after watching the last few episodes after watching the way that Corey has um, abused his trust again after again at 
episode after episode, seeing how he tried to trust the Panga and that didn't work. Now he doesn't have Angela around. Like, yeah, like I yeah. get where this dude is coming from. And so like yeah. when it started with that restraining order and, you know, I not only do I just think like, yeah, finally someone is making Corey be accountable and being like, no, I know you say you're going to do this, but I need this <laughs> legally in writing that you're not going to do it. I love that they're calling that out. Um, but just for it to start with him giving his best friend and uh, his best friend's fiance a restraining order. And then the episode, the end where the people he gave the restraining order to are the only people he has left. Like, think about that. You know, if like it's, only it's... he had like a long lost brother. He could hang out with and talk to you mean uh, who also has like a friend group? <laughs> uh, I mean, the he has a lot of long lost siblings that he can probably try <laughs> to connect to. Um, but yeah, no, totally. Like, there's no point where he thinks that Jack is uh, a, a source of home, like a, a, a some kind of comfort for him. And I, I mean, I think that's obvious that they've spent no time together. So oh, of yeah. course he doesn't feel like that Absolutely. from Jack. So I just, I, I know it starts with a restraining order, and it's a funny joke. I just want to point out the fact that like. This is like the first step in something that I think is going to keep on going with Sean's character from this point out. Very true. And to your point, I I like that it makes sense. We've actually seen the kind of fraying of Corey and Sean's relationship. And it does have to do with Corey constantly violating Sean's boundaries. Mm -hmm. and so I do understand how a boy whose parents are constantly on the run, who's constantly finding out about different family members and different places, and the ones that he does know about aren't really on the right path. Um, and him just inherently having this kind of like sense of wanderlust and need to be independent just from the trauma of being raised in that environment. All of that put in a college situation where the only people who he considers family are his best friend, his best friend's fiance, and his girlfriend. But his girlfriend, he himself was like, I feel like I need this time to just explore me. So he left that link, but it's also causing friction with everything else, and he's finding himself isolated. Yeah, That recap, this makes totally total sense for the Sean character. Yeah. And I I'm looking forward to see how they resolve it. What I love acknowledge it. Yeah, in, sure. In way that it should. Definitely. And and what I love is that Sean's instinct is, hey, me and Angela are done. High school Sean's back, baby. The the lion's out of the cage. Like he was so like, I'm mentally, I'm so ready to jump into this. I'm so ready to jump back into it. And then we cut to the date, and this motherfucker is miserable from the jump. He reminded me so much of um, do you remember in Long Walk to Pittsburgh after Topanga leaves and Sean tries to have the double date with him and Corey? And Corey is just like complaining that like he misses Topanga the whole yes. time yes. and all the attention goes towards that. Like he's too miserable to have fun on that date. Um, reminded me so much of this episode. And it, I is that thought, the one with the are they twins or like they're yeah, they were like they were yeah, like yeah, British yeah, yeah. twins or something yeah, like that. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Yeah. And so yeah, it just kind of reminded me of that whole thing of like uh, you know, someone feeling like they have to be on a date, even though they're clearly uncomfortable and don't want to be there. I'm like, bro, go home. What do you do? Why are you here? Kelly, his date, go home. So much. I was like, that brings me to roll call. Um, this is Heather Marie Marsden. 
uh, who is credited as Heather Marie Wayne, um, who plays Kelly. Relationship and, to Jason Marsden? Trust me, I, not not from what I can see, but I absolutely was like, is is this a uh, <laughs> Jason Marsden mm-hmm. connection? But nothing nothing that I could find. But anyway, all of this is to say. This was another one where it was like, I don't like the way they're writing this character. Yeah. Because Kelly has some self-respect. Definitely. Like she is too understanding. Yeah. She's too understanding. Like it's one thing to go on a date with a guy who's clearly like having some trouble, but I need her to like, even when he's behaving this way, she's having like these little side conversations with Topanga. And she's like, no, 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 it's fine. I understand. He's clearly going to do some things. I've heard good things about Sean. I'm willing to overlook his current behavior and his clear not over his exness and just make this work because that's what I want. And it's like, no, she deserves to be like, what is going on here? Yeah. Why'd you set me up with this? At the very <laughs> least, be like, oh, hey, your ex just showed up. Can we go to another restaurant? Can we bar hop? Can we go somewhere else? Is the movie about to start? Like, can we leave? Or Did do Kelly, we have to watch this guy stare at his ex the whole Kelly night? to have some agency. And I want her to say, as you said, give her a line. Can we leave? Should we go somewhere else? Like, give the opportunity to change things up. Because right now, no one is comfortable. And no. more than anything, as Kelly, I'm not comfortable. <laughs> That's all I want. You know who seems to be the most comfortable? And shout out to Nettie for last week for uh, kind of letting us know that this is going to happen. Angela's hotation phase is in full mm. effect. Mm. And she mm. seems mm. very mm. comfortable mm. with Ron, mm. her new boyfriend. Or her Ron, new guy. played by Kareem Prince, uh, who I looked it up. He, he like a little catter character actor he was on a bunch of things with a show called freaky links he also did 33 episodes bold and beautiful but most importantly he played the blue alien power ranger in mighty morphin power rangers <laughs> okay That's what i thought we would really be interested in a power but, ranger nice i was like when i saw ron coming i was like okay melanin well Angela did you, said, did you <laughs> know this too other black guy on campus we're going to make this work. <laughs> that when Sean and Angela broke up, the first time we met Angela during the purse episode, she went out with a black dude too. So I was just like, I think she's like, man, I don't know if I want this white dude, uh, their drama. Like, it's too much. Maybe I just need, a, I need to find a brother I can take home. I kid you not. And I'm, I'm saying this playfully, but I am currently engaged to a white man. Yes, you are. And there are plenty of times where I'm like, yo, if this don't work out. <laughs> <laughs> Never again, never again. And then, mm-hmm. like to me, it was like the mm-hmm. fact that I am with you proves how much I love you. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. And I think that that's what they're saying with Angela is that Angela could get, and yet she chooses. <laughs> yeah, she chooses. She chooses, Sean. Okay, can we talk about the karaoke part of this episode? Um... Uh, did you think I was going to skip over that? <laughs> because a few things. One. I want to talk about the restaurant in general. Mm-hmm. What kind of restaurant is this? Tiki bar, it, right? What is with the tiki themes? We love a tiki theme in this episode. Uh, Siege, I'm going to have to stop you. I love a tiki bar in general. I'm, I'm a, I'm I love you. a good tiki bar. Have you gone to the tiki bar in um, NoHo? Oh, yeah. There's a tiki bar in NoHo that yeah, does I- karaoke. But the oh, thing I is, it doesn't look like this. Because yeah. <laughs> it's a bar. <laughs> yeah. 
But so, yeah. no, if you haven't, I'll send you the link. We should go. Yeah, because I was like, I've been to a tiki bar in Noho. I don't know if I had a karaoke spot, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll definitely 100% go to that. Because again, I love a good tiki bar, but not that anyone in the show drinks. So I don't yeah. know why they're there. What's crazy <laughs> is, what's crazy to me is just how, don't we use like the tiki set? I just, for me, it felt like this was, what oh, this was left over from the game show episode. Game what? show episode. Yes. Is, and maybe, no, it's, um, Chubby's becomes a pirate theme. Yes. Right? Yeah. It, mm-hmm. But I feel like we do tiki somewhere else. I just Buccaneer feel like this, burger. Yeah. I just feel like I was like, this feels like a lot of, this is what we had. Let's make the restaurant a theme. Let's like fill it in some way. But also, as you said, they can't be at a bar which would make way more sense. Mm-hmm. They're at a restaurant, a sit-down restaurant yeah. with karaoke. What sit-down restaurant has karaoke? What karaoke <laughs> place doesn't serve alcohol? I don't know a single <laughs> one. The show goes so, so out the way to show that they don't drink that at the end of the episode, they uh, uh, Alan and Amy come to the Eric's apartment. They have a pizza and a case of root beer. And it says root beer very clearly because uh, they just have to show that the characters aren't drinking. That's like even the grown adults. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so go, going back to that karaoke, I will say, while I was like, okay, vocals on yep. Ron, he mm-hmm. came, Ron came to say, I can sing. That's how Ron got this gig. He's like, hey guys, I can bring some vocals to this. I'll make it happen. But uh, one, why would you select these the songs that they're selecting? Yeah, knowing that your ex is there. Number one. Number two, there was no chemistry between Angela and Ron on that stage. I was like, this is a first date. Y'all should be having fun. Like, y'all should be like, like, I will say Kelly pulls her weight when it's her and oh, Sean yeah. on stage. Definitely. She's like, she gets this. She is can a sing first too. <laughs> We're trying to have some fun with this. We, I'm trying to get to know you. That makes sense. But Ron and Angela, I was like, like, y'all are just two people on stage. You know what? I have to say that, like, being in the same restaurant as your ex can sometimes be uncomfortable. Yo, have has this ever happened to you? Have you ever just been, like, you and your fiance hanging out and all of a sudden just an ex, ex walks into the bar or into a restaurant or some shit like that? No, because my ex lives on the other side <laughs> of the country or is one of my closest friends. So, <laughs> Okay, so this happened to me with my high school girlfriend. After we broke up, me and my next girlfriend went to um, a restaurant near uh, Disney, and we walked in, and they, like there was no place to sit but at this table. And as soon as we sat down, I looked at the table right behind us, and there my ex was. And it was just so uncomfortable the entire time. And to the point where I'm like, do you want to eat? fast and get the fuck out of here did you stay or did you leave i you know what we didn't leave but at one point and i feel really bad about this my ex like left like she just got up and left and i think it was really uncomfortable for her but it was an uncomfortable position like it was just an uncomfortable thing like who would have thought that this would have happened where we'd been at the same place at the same time but for for them on this show to be like, oh no, it's cool. We're gonna stay. Like, let's do karaoke. Like, let's just enjoy this moment, even though there's clearly so much awkwardness from that person being ten feet away. It, it, to me, it just didn't make any sense why they didn't just go. I was gonna say, like, it, you seem to have answered my question, but you're in a restaurant. Someone, just anyone who you have uncomfortable tension with, is there. You guys constantly are seeing each other. Do you leave? 
or do you because I feel like part of it is just like nah this is I'm here you know what I mean like sure yeah leave and I don't know if like for me I don't know if I'm that person but like I don't know how about you are you leaving you know oh well I guess it really depends but I, I would say at the very least there's not like this like oh let's just hang out let's just like talk and talk and talk it's more of just like a let's just eat and then like go somewhere else like i'm not like rushing to get out but i'm also not like trying to stay and hang out and wait for karaoke to start in the next two hours like let's go like i don't question should Corey and topanga have been like yo let's go somewhere else and that's and that that's what i was thinking too i'm just thinking like if you're trying to hook sean up with another girl if you're trying to help him to move on why Stay at this restaurant where he's just staring at Angela the whole time. Like, what? Poor gay. We know y'all aren't far from home. Go drive to Chubby's or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Peg Everything Peg. is in within a 10 minute walk. <laughs> <laughs> where they live, the apartment, the high school, the college, it's all within walking distance, apparently. So, yeah, just go home. Okay. Um, um, I, uh, one thing I just do want to say is that if I were going to pick a winner, of the karaoke contest, it would be Angela and Ron. Um, I thought- are we talking vocals or performance? Because again, they have the vocals, but there's yeah. zero chemistry there. A hundred percent, and I get that. Um, I actually thought that uh, Ryder Strong has a nice little sweet voice. It's kind of quiet, yes. but he's 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 on key and he hits yep. the notes, and it was good. Um, I want to talk about Corey and Topanga a little bit because. As much as there's a part of me who's like kind of rolling my eyes to this whole thing, I can't deny the fact that clearly Ben and Danielle are having so much fun. They, I think, have great chemistry during the karaoke scenes. And when the during the epilogue, when the episode ends and we kind of circle back to them doing karaoke and they're singing and they're like laughing and they're having a good time. I'm like, this is the most fun I've seen Corey and Topanga have since they got engaged. This is the most fun I've seen them have since they got like back together after their breakup. Like, I can't remember the last time I've seen them like making each other laugh. You're talking and about I, the end clip though, right? The end clip. Like, the, the, in the episode when they in the, first yeah. do war, Topanga is just like, this doesn't feel like our song this which i kind of like thought was funny too honestly genre. but here's the thing all right so little thing about that for me i looked it up because i was like this song specifically being this big at this time what do you think of when you hear this song what do you like what do you think of when you hear this song there's i mean i i think of I think of like Vietnam, honestly. Like I don't know oh, what is popular. Rush Hour culture. is what I was thinking oh, about. Oh yeah, Rush of Hour. Course. This yeah. this uh, this Rush Hour came out in September of ninety eight. This happened in January of uh, ninety nine. And again, for me, it just felt like one of those things where like someone saw it, they loved it. Um, <laughs> It was in the zeitgeist for whatever reason at that time exactly. period, yeah. Clearly, they're just kind of goofing around. And to your point, I don't know that the post credit scene is even canon. I think, I don't know if that's a blooper or what that is. Um, but it was just really nice to see those those characters, or at least those actors, having chemistry and having fun with each other. Uh, I will say, um, there is... I, I thought that the karaoke selections, again, it's just like... Why would you sing It's In His Kiss 
uh why would you saying uh, i got you babe like uh, like if you're not feeling like you get to select the songs they don't just assign you a song so like it's weird <laughs> i mean knowing boy meets world they got the cheapest songs they could find <laughs> no i know that but i'm saying in universe yeah sure yeah like in the context yeah these songs like there yeah. are millions of other songs because Angela and ron's even. song isn't even a duet yeah <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. Um, oh, I also want to point out Sean's behavior. It's again, it's one of those things where I want Kelly to have more respect for herself because Sean is like z- clearly not interested, head on the table. Angela shows up. He's like, oh, this is my date, Kelly. This, Kelly. Like, no, he's just kind of, he's doing it constantly so much so where he's like, and it's clearly not awkward. I was like, why would it be awkward? Kelly and Ron don't know how y'all are related. Yeah, so, I mean they know now, but like no one knew what was going on. So you made it weird, and I just would have—I actually would have loved it. Kelly. Just would have been like, you know what? This is clear. You're clearly not over her. <laughs> Does Kelly fall into like a bimbo dumb blonde category? Like she's not. Here's the thing: she's not bimbo dumb blonde. It's that. It's the I don't know how to say it, but it's an idealized version of a woman. She doesn't have, she's just very understanding. She's very much like, take your time. After he embarrasses her on karaoke on stage in front of his ex-girlfriend, mm-hmm. she's just like, hey, we'll try again another time. And it's just like, no, let Kelly be embarrassed. Let her be upset. Yeah. Let her be like, I'm better than this. Or or like, actually just let her be like, you know what? I'll finish this all myself. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just, I want dimension is that too much to ask i think so siege i think so it's 1998 apparently there's we can't do that for side female characters exactly i thought it was weird but i will say we do get to a part where sean after the karaoke and after everything sean says something like i'm not normal oh i wrote it down i can i can tell you exactly yeah yeah Yeah. so basically um you know he's back at the student union and he's kind of just pouting the way he was the entire date and according to pangar just like oh you know don't worry about it you'll meet someone new and you know sean kind of goes on to say that he doesn't want someone new that he doesn't want a new relationship um you know he claims that you know something's wrong with him and he's not normal because he can't have the relationship that Corey and Topanga has and i just want to pause the yep. whole thing yep. and talk about that for a second cuz not only is this a sentiment that i've echoed a bunch throughout our podcast i've actually interacted with people talking to us on social media saying the same thing being like Corey and Topanga sets such an unrealistic expectation for love that everything else feels like a failure in comparison. And it doesn't even feel possible to get the kind of love, the the fake love that the show has been able to orchestrate for them. And I just, I, I have to just agree with Sean. Like if I were this dude, these are the two that I'm constantly, they're constantly being like the symbol of a relationship. His parents sure as hell aren't. What is he getting out of this other than an unattainable image of something that he can't have for himself. Like it's a bummer to just be reminded of this thing that you can't have all the time. Like, but here's the thing that's really interesting that like, I, I get, I, I don't know. You probably know. I don't know where we're going with the storyline, mm. but one, Sean, you're 19. So for Sean being like, I don't know if I'm capable of having this type of relationship. I don't know if I'm capable. It's like, dude, you're 19. As they said, we're not normal. 
We are the freaks to have found someone this young and be this committed in ways that you and I both agree aren't the healthiest ways. But I will give Corey and Topanga this, which is that they are committed. They are secure in their relationship with each other. So that's rare at this young of an age. And I just wish that someone had pointed out to him, dude, you're 19 years old. You're not supposed to be so sure about love or have it figured out you've done nothing you've done nothing but date random girl after random girl after random girl you've had one really serious relationship and it didn't work out which is unfortunate and that happens but at the end of the day you were never supposed to find your soulmate in high school your soulmate in college like it takes experimenting it takes dating i can I can shed insight. I think I have some insight on this because at the time that I was 18, 19, and 20, all of my Christian friends were getting engaged and married to the point where you go to so many weddings when you're 19 years old, you're just like, is this the thing I'm supposed to do? Like, it's 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 true that like who you surround yourself with is a great influence on yourself and your ability to think about what you can accomplish in life. And so if you're surrounding yourself with someone who's been coupled up since they're three and you haven't been able to keep a relationship, I also want to point out that like, this is such a great dissection of of being a child of divorce. Like Corey and Topanga's parents are together. They had a symbol of what it means to have a relationship that they can look to as uh, uh, something uh, as an inspiration. Whereas Sean has nothing to pull from. He has no example of what a solid relationship is because even Corey and Topanga's relationship is not solid. So it's like that thing of just like, he has nothing to compare himself to but these two people. And these two people have such an unrealistic love that what does he have to 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 reach for? Like he needs to separate for his own good. But here's the thing, he does. Eric doesn't have a long-term relationship. Jack doesn't have a long-term relationship. Rachel doesn't have a lot. You know who would really understand and be able to connect with Sean in this moment? Rachel. Someone who committed and moved their entire life to be with somebody. And then she's recently broken up and had to figure out a way to move on. This is the perfect moment for Rachel and Sean to have a storyline together where she's like, hey, you will get through this. I did it. You can do that. Wow. You know what? That is an amazing (laughs) point. Make Rachel relevant again. Like she went through this heartbreak. Sean is going through one. He could be the one who's like hanging out at Jack and Eric's apartment. And then Rachel can just come up and they can have this moment together. I love that so much. That's the way I was saying. I was really, when, when I was like, he, why isn't Sean going to hang out with Jack? Even just to get away with Cor- from Corey and Topanga yeah. and Angela, just so he can do that, hang out with them while he's hanging out with them. Jack's like, I don't really know how to help you in this situation. But Rachel's like, you know who does? Me, because I yeah. broke up with someone and I had to figure out how to put my life back together. And I also had to learn that it's not just me. I have two roommates, two friends who I enjoy and they make my, they help make my life complete. This is my thing. It's like, The thesis of Boy Meets World is, at least with Corey and Topanga, and to be fair, we even kind of get into this with Girl Meets World, is life is not complete unless you have a partner. Mm. And finding that that Corey and Topanga love should be the goal. 
and in game should be Sean and Angela. Or like, it's like, no, you can have a full life and still be single. When Sean's like, I am alone. It's like, dude, you are single. And that's not the same thing as being alone. Yeah. And again, as we've talked about, it totally makes sense that he would feel alone considering the fact that the closest relationship he's ever had his entire life yeah. is Corey. And Corey has violated his boundaries again and again and again. So feeling alone makes sense. But this is a great opportunity to teach the importance or the benefits of being single. And as a kid's television show, you need an alternative to this once-in-a-lifetime relationship that is Corey and Topanga and show someone like Sean that it's okay to not be them. What the show actually does is show us that without having his significant other, his Topanga in his life, um, his life falls apart. It falls into shambles. And so like, I have to just say as just a fan taking in this content as a child, this fucked with my brain. It fucked Absolutely. with my whole understanding of like a relationship. Like, you know, we were kind of uh, joking earlier off camera about, um, you know, uh, that friend who's like, uh, my boyfriend's coming. My boyfriend's coming. My my boyfriend's on their way. Correct. Even though they just started dating. And Correct. it's just, it's that thing of like feeling like, hey, I need someone in order to um, bring validity to my life somehow. And it's so dangerous to infect that idea into the minds of children but boy meets world kind of did that in a really big way so um it, you know it's interesting to see how it's affecting sean but it's also interesting to see how the show is treating sean's perception of it it's not that sean like to your point can find a peace and find resolution in himself he falls apart without having someone but and here's the also dangerous part of that in this storyline because let's let's just track it because sean decided that once he got to college he wanted to be single he broke up with angela and angela stood and waited by just kind of like seeing how it would feel and sean was like actually i'm not gonna go for it i still need to be single so angela was like fine i'm going to move on but now that she's moving on and she has Ron or she's going to do her rotation, as you should do in college, mm-hmm. Sean is starting to spiral in loneliness. And what's that going to do to Angela? That's going to make Angela feel partially responsible. Oh, yeah. And this is what I'm saying the problem is. If you can't show a character maturing and learning that it's okay to be single then what you actually say is that him being single is a problem and he can't do anything about it he's depressed you know who's responsible the girl who he jilted that's her responsibility you got to think about your ex now because he's spiraling are you just going to let him do that or do you actually care about him and you get into this cycle of women being taught through television and media and society that it's their responsibility to take care of the man who hurt them time and time Mm, so true because like honestly when you go ahead well i was just gonna say when you recap it like that in terms of how um, Angela's literally just been kind of like hanging around waiting for Sean to get his act together. It's like, yeah, what right do you have to be upset over this girl that you told twice you didn't want to date? So like, what are you really upset about? And so like, you, you, I thought you just brought up a great point there. Yeah, I just wanted to point that out that like, again, Angela living her life, having a good time, but we see Sean 
feel like, oh, oh, I'm alone. And and he's a sympathetic thing. But it's important to remember that you chose to be alone. You wanted to go on this journey. So why not let him go on this journey? But of being like, hey, actually being single is where I need to be right yeah. now. He is choosing to be alone. But we also have to like, I, I, and here's the thing, like if but we're not, looking at- not, Wait, 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 again, not alone, single. There's single, a difference. Yes. Yeah, you're right. But no, what I mean is that he is also purposefully isolating himself and he's going to continue to purposefully isolate himself. And that speaks more to Sean's trauma. That speaks more to his mental health than it does to Angela. But unfortunately, like you said, most of the time when we're consuming media like that, this, this, the camera never turns on Sean kind of having those inward conversations. Maybe we do. I Honestly, the next few episodes, I haven't seen in quite a long time. So I really don't know the way things are going to shake out. But, um, you know, it would be nice to just kind of understand that both things can be true. That yes. Angela could just choose what's best for her in a way that's not an attack on Sean and to make him feel sad. And Sean can be single without it being Angela's fault and that he can find pride in in himself throughout that time and love for himself. Like both of those things can happen, but in this show, it does not. So that's kind of the one critique I really have is just that I really wish, like you said, that this emphasis on having a relationship like Corey and Topanga wasn't the central premise of what seems to be the series itself. Correct. So Um, I do, I hear like, I will say, I do like that we are getting like this Sean story arc. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I I like it. As much as we critique and we have like a lot of things to say, I like that we are exploring what college is like for Sean. Well, not yeah. what college is like because they we don't, not no. barely in class. But what the struggles that you go to through when you are 19 and you are comparing yourself to your peers and you're constantly yeah. being like, they can do it, why can't I? And I just think that what we know of Boy Meets World, how it teaches lessons about life. I think this would have been a great opportunity to just kind of teach through the character of Sean that sometimes going down your own path is what you need to do compared to your friend who seems to have it all figured out. I'm, You know, I didn't watch a lot of Girl Meets World, but would I be correct in saying that even on Girl Meets World, him getting a, a life partner is the central thing that gives him ultimate fulfillment and happiness. Is that what ends up is that what ends up happening? Uh I, I don't know if I would say it that strongly, but I will say end game is to have him paired up. And it's one of those things where, especially on television, but also kind of in life, people kind of be like, oh, what's best for you is what was best for me. Yeah. So like I'm, they do it. If we're gonna be honest, in Sex in the City, they kind of really tried that at um the first movie, where it was just like all of these characters, even some who don't need to be in relationships, you have to be paired off because yeah. that's what a true happy ending is. And what I really like is later on they kind of course corrected and they had the character Samantha be like, actually, I do best single. That's mm-hmm. me at my greatest. And I've done the relationship and I proved that I could do the relationship. But relationship isn't in game for me. Yeah. Being the best me is in game for me. Mm. And Tell that to me is a more important lesson that needs to be taught as we enter a, a society that's kind of changing and people aren't 
dating as much as they used to. And they're not like, you need to be able to be fulfilled as a single person and know that life can be fulfilling, even if it's just you. And I know that seems weird coming from someone who's engaged and someone (laughs) who's married, but in reality, like for me, I only met my partner because I had gotten to a place where I was like, I'm cool. I don't need to find someone else. Well, I and, was, then I, I, and then I stumbled into it. It wasn't yeah. like, I was like, I need to find this thing. I need this Corey and Topanga love. I just honestly was like, I will be okay being me. Well, I would, I would, I would even say that even if you're lucky enough or you end up with, I wouldn't even say lucky enough because it's, it's not yeah. always luck. Um, if you end up with a partner, if you go into that, relationship with that mindset of like i need a partner to feel whole that relationship is going to have problems anyway so right like it, it i feel i just feel like there's there should always be a place for whether you're single or in a relationship to just feel comfortable with yourself and feel comfortable knowing that you can meet your needs and you're not dependent on anyone else for your happiness like that is just something that i feel like everyone can benefit from this has been Bra meets therapy. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else you want to say? Uh, no, no, no. I think that's it. I have a, a few observations that I want to say just sure. about like the entire episode. Yeah. One, I will say this is your Middle East crisis. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, also, uh, when Eric goes, Miss, mine's broken. <laughs> Both the first time, but especially the second time. When Jennifer goes into labor, hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then lastly, what was going on with Angela's hair at the end when they're all in the quad? Did you, you see know her what? Hair? You know what? I, I have to ribbons? say, I, I didn't pay attention to it because I was so distracted with Ron being there because I was just like, oh, Ron's hanging out with all these white kids. I wonder what this is like for him. Like, my mind I was went like, on the whole like, I was thing. like, okay, Ron's still there. Like, yeah. Ron, like, Ron was like, I'm more than just a little bit. We seeing each other. I'm in the friend group hang. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, good old Ron. But re- I want everyone to take another look at that ending and tell me what is going on with Angela's hair. It was so good when we first see her. The first scene with Angela, I was like, her hair is herring. I love it. This last one, I don't know who made that decision, but please make a different one. <laughs> she did again. All of these choices fell on her. Here's the thing. And I'm gonna tell you not, right now. It, I'm not I'm excusing right it. I'm telling you right now. I looked at that and I was like, I don't know if this is Trina because the first look is like when we first meet Angela, it's, it's there. This feels like they were like, Well, we have the hairdresser, let do something with Angela's hair. It just feels like, like you, I don't know if you've ever been there, but have you ever been in a situation where they're like, well, in order to make you feel like everyone else, we're going to give you time with this person who doesn't know what to do with you. <laughs> and I you're mean, like, I would rather you not do anything than force this situation. Yeah, it's it's when white people try to cut my hair. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. I haven't, um, I haven't had a white person cut my hair in forever. <laughs> Asian people cut my haircut. Give me the best haircuts of my life. I found out a Dominican, I find, a Dominican barber. So funny. They gonna do me right. They gonna Asians my come hair through has, like, for a me. Texture. Yeah. Really. I don't know what it Asians is. Can't I cut my hair. <laughs> so funny. Um. But yeah, no, I, I, I have to just be like, you know, Trina, she's doing the best she can. She's got kids. She's on set. Like, they're throwing her all this shit. Maybe she just didn't have time to do it. Maybe someone tried to step in. But to your point, like, it, it doesn't. But 
it's the 90s. It's like the late 90s. Like, even like if you watch Friends, like Phoebe has crazy things going on with her hair sometimes. Absolutely. Spice Girls were big. It was just like a time of like expression. Experimenting with hair. No, trust me. I mean, we like those. I know people, the butterfly clips, the butterfly clips, all that <laughs> shit. Like it was just popping at the time. So part of it, I kind of chalk up to just being of its time period as well. Okay. Okay. Um, what is the Feeny lesson? Um, without love, you're nothing. You're going to die alone. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't feel like that's it. Um, the Feeny lesson, I think I'm going to take more from, um, the B storyline, which is that, uh, you know, emotional support is the thing that makes the biggest difference in a person's life, um, versus like, uh, and, and, you know, we're kind of getting into like love languages here, but, you know, compared to the acts of service that Alan thought that meant a lot to Eric, he was like, no, it was actually your words of affirmation. It was actually, you know, like all of these other deeply emotional elements. Oh, love it. languages. So like, it, to me, it just, I, I, that's probably the best thing to take out of the episode versus the Sean and um, Angela storyline, which I think is just that, you know, you need to be able to be okay single. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree with both of yours. Uh, Bruh moment. Alan is 43 years old. <laughs> that was, that's the thing I'm still just like, bro, like that. And also like the whole thing I was talking about, about Corey and Topanga's relationship being put on this pedestal as like the most ideal relationship a person can have. But, um, but truly the thing that's going to stick with me the longest is that Alan had a midlife crisis at 43 years old. Absolutely. Uh, my bro moment is going to be uh, Eric just walking in and be like, man, these women are fat. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't that's get over one. it. And it, it really made me angry. Uh, okay. Uh, what grade? What grade are you giving this episode? I'm going to give this episode a B minus. I thought it was a Ooh. fine episode. I I thought that um, I liked seeing Alan and Amy. I liked seeing Eric do something that's not torturing his roommates. Um, but yeah, like it was just kind of like a whatever episode. I came in with zero expectations. So I enjoyed it probably more than I think I would have otherwise. But um, yeah, I'll say B minus. I'm going to give it a C plus. I felt like it was like, we're in the same range. Like, I think you were a little bit more forgiving. I was like, mm. Mm. yeah, I, I could have done like, there were like a lot of decisions I didn't really agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel like it wasn't a complete waste of an episode. Sure. Sure. So, uh, and then also I really do look forward to seeing where we go with Sean's storyline. Cause yeah. again, we are hinting at something really, really big. I think it's going to get dark, bro. I think it's going to get Oh, yeah. Dark. I mean, but, like, sometimes... Sometimes in life, when it rains, it pours. You yeah. know, like... And that's the case for Sean this season, really for sure. Yeah. Okay. Is it time for homework? I think it is. I, what uh, homework have... do you have? Well, you know what's so funny? Like, I feel like I'm kind of ping-ponging back and forth because I, I always come in here and I'm like, oh, this new horror movie came out. I'm so excited to talk about Matilda the musical and just the complete juxtaposition to all of my typical horror rec- recommendations. Yeah. Um, I love musicals. I've loved the Matilda soundtrack for the show. I haven't gotten a chance to see it on stage. Um, and I've just loved, there's like a few songs that I really, really love. Not all the songs are as strong, but there's about two or three really great ones. But... This uh, Netflix movie that they've done, um, Emma Thompson eats at this role as the trench bowl. She is eating every scene <laughs> she's given. I'm just like, okay, Emma Thompson, like you just turned this. She turns the trench bowl into like, um, you know, when you see like a. Uh, 
like actors like being like, oh, I want to do my turn as the Joker. Yeah. Like I thought she made the trench bowl so interesting that I'm like, oh, I want to see all these women do like different traditions of the trench bowl. Cause like she just had such a great, her prosthetics were amazing. The kids had phenomenal uh, performances. I still prefer the Danny DeVito film of the nineties. Always. How how are you going to overcome that? (laughs) But in terms of just like a really fun movie with some great music and just the, the bottom line always being that kids have more power than uh, we give them and that they have more autonomy than than they're given. Um, I just think it's just a, a, a great lesson all around. So I, I just think it was a really good movie. Great performances. The songs are stuck in my head. Um, the choreography is all over TikTok right now. Like everyone is trying yeah, to do the yeah, Matilda dance. Yeah. And it's just because the choreography is fantastic in this movie. Um, some of it gets a little like, I'm not going to lie. It's not a perfect film, but I, I, genuinely thought it was a fun Friday night. So um, I, I say, recommend that. I've, I've heard nothing but positive things and every single person that I um, have had, every single person who has spoken about this has said that the Matilda musical is, it just hits. So Can, can I, mean, I tell you with this one thing about it? Um, so I don't know how much you remember of the original. Uh, of the I remember movie. all of it. I yeah. like the movie is, it's one of those things where it's like, it's ingrained, ingrained. it's in there. So yeah. to know the relationship that the trench bowl has with Miss Honey. Yes. And then this new version to make Miss Honey black, mm-hmm. knowing that the trench bowl takes everything from her. Ooh, we saying something. We, we making th- statements. There's some <laughs> subtext that I don't know would have been there otherwise. But to me, I was just like, oh, I'm picking up on the subtext. I don't know if it's supposed to be there. I don't know if they purposefully casted a black actress for this role, but it works on a different level because of it. So yeah, definitely check it out. Uh okay. So my homework, this is I'm gonna do something that I don't usually do. But I have been consuming new content, and I was like, "What can I recommend?" Because like, there's I'm like, "Do I want to put my stamp of approval on this?" So instead, I have optional homework. Ooh! If it's your thing, go for it. If you don't like it, don't say that I told you to watch. Because like, <laughs> uh, but like Netflix just came out with this show, Kaleidoscope. Oh, I've seen um, it. I, I haven't seen an episode, but I've seen it advertised. I'm interested. Okay, yeah. so let me give you a little breakdown of Kaleidoscope because I actually think it's I think everything they did was right with the exception of a few things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the whole point of Kaleidoscope is that every single account gets a different order of the episodes. Like they, all the episodes, each one is named after a color. So like red, green, pink, orange, so on and so forth. And your own episode order may be different from my episode order Mm. you can watch them however you can watch them out of order like there are plenty of things online to say like if you want to watch the story chronologically this is the way to do it but like the whole point is each episode is a piece that the only rule is you have to watch the white episode last like okay that episode is the last one and then everything else um, can be watched in any order and I actually really enjoyed it for that where it's like you get different perspectives you get different clues you understand certain things going in and you're like oh that's why this happened but like the order in which you watch greatly influences hmm. what you think other people's motivations are what do you think the storyline is like sure. And I just find that very interesting. I think it was like a great approach and I love the swings that it took. I will say some things were lacking for me. The overall, like the overall performances, I will say 
is where I feel things were the weakest. The mm. story, it's all the for me, it's a puzzle where you're like, oh, all these pieces fit. All yeah. these pieces fit. Um, do I like did I have fun? I don't know. But yeah. I I enjoyed my time, which is a different question, you know? Yeah. Definitely. So that's number one. Number two. Have you seen Kindred on Hulu? No, I have not. Okay, let me give you a little breakdown on Kindred. And I'm giving you all these back-to-back because I don't want to make them homework later. So I was like, they get half of a credit each. Um, Kindred is this show on Hulu. It's based off a book I have not read. But essentially, this Black girl uh, moves to L.A. to a new house and... All of a sudden, she gets gets dragged. She lives in 2016 now, and she just, like, wakes up, and she's in 1816. Mm-mm. But, like, on a slave plantation Mm-mm. as a Black person. It's a nightmare. And she has all of her memories. She knows everything Mm-mm. that's going on. She just doesn't know why she's there, and she doesn't know how to get back. But the thing is, she does go back. And so there's a point in time where she goes back and she meets this white dude and this white dude is like, hey, I believe you because I saw you literally disappear in front of my eyes. You were here one second, you were gone the next. I don't know what's going on, but I'm here for you. And then they both get dragged back, but they don't know how to get, like, again, she can't control it, but she just keeps going back and forth between 2016 and 1816. And, like, a mystery is unfolding and you're trying to figure it out as much as i enjoy the premise and i think that it's crazy and insane and they actually are touching on so many things i will also say it's one of those stories where me personally the character frustrates the crap out of me Mm. (laughs) it's one of those things where like why are you not doing this thing like and like you know how these things go why are you not making these decisions as a black person as a white person, why are y'all not just doing stuff? I can't stand characters who are inactive in situations that I believe someone should be doing something. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I, I I want both shows. I would love for people to check out. Let me know what you think. If anything, so I can have a conversation. But like, yeah, those are that's my homework. Awesome, awesome, bro. That's good homework. All right. Um, anything else you want to say? Um, not really. Uh, we're still getting a lot of positive uh, interactions uh, online from our Pod Meets World uh, interview that we did. We want to uh, thank everybody for just all the support that we've gotten there. Um, and yeah, just continue to to share our podcast, like and review. We're on YouTube. We're on all of the podcast uh, streaming sites. So just, you know, giving us comments, giving us likes, all that stuff helps us out a lot. And we appreciate it. A lot of you have been um, giving us ratings. Please leave more ratings more five star rate five four preferably five preferably five start leaving (laughs) us ratings and then also um don't forget that you can go leave us a voice message on Mm -hmm. our website um we will play it on the pod answer your questions we actually just really appreciate you guys listening and giving us your feedback you all have been really fun and engaging on social media so we wanted to say thank you Absolutely. Absolutely. And as always, we want to remind you to dream. Uh, No, I said try. Oh, (laughs) I I just want to make sure. Uh... (laughs) Okay, let's take that from the top. Okay, remember to dream, to try, and do do good. good.
Later, bro. Later, bro. When the spawn meets world.